0: In 2020, the SFA explores the future of the South. We kick things off in Birmingham on March 28th with our spring symposium, where we take a hard look at the future of the restaurant. Food & Wine Magazine restaurant editor, Kush Shah and editor-in-chief Hunter Lewis discuss the future of restaurant criticism. SFA professor, Caterina Pasadomo, examines restaurants as doorsteps to culture. We screen a new film that profiles Rodney Scott and Roscoe Hall in 21st century barbecue legacies. And Chef John Hall hails Birmingham as a bold American food city. Tickets priced at $150 are available online now at southernfoodways.org. We invite you to join us on March 28th.
1: By now, you've heard about Southern whiskey distillers from Texas to South Carolina who make small-batch bourbon
2: with heritage corn. And if you haven't heard the good news, I know I kind of sound like a preacher, (laughs) cue up Taste of Place, the 2017 gravy podcast we produced about that very subject.
1: Sake and such, made with heirloom rice grown in the South, took a little longer.
2: And that's for a bunch of reasons, including a comparatively scarce historical record. But now, with the revival of Carolina Gold Rice, comes what we might as well call an artisan value add. In other words, you grow the product and you make more money once you improve upon it. And the improvement is...
1: Turning rice into rice wine.
2: I'll take mine with fried
1: catfish. Or maybe fried shrimp futamaki? Uh Uh-huh. I'd eat that. (laughs) I'm Melissa Hall. And I'm John T. Edge. We're your hosts for gravy
0: gravy gravy
1: gravy a production of the southern foodways alliance gravy tells new and complicated stories about the changing American
2: south in this episode of gravy our producer Irina Zoroff, introduces us to the Cox family who are making sake from Carolina gold rice.
3: The way Campbell Cox tells it, the hardest part of managing his family's twenty-five thousand acres of land, nearly twice the size of Manhattan, is constantly coming up with things to do with it. It's
4: a tax on the brain. I mean you've got to really get ahead of the ball. You can't sit back and let things just, you know, make itself happen. You've got to you've got to think a lot.
3: We're near Darlington, South Carolina, driving in his pickup along a lane darkened by tall pines when he turns out of the wood into open, blazing sun.
4: This is all rice. This is Carolina gold. It's been planted here in paddies, we call them.
3: The rice is one of the income-generating ventures Campbell thought up. Campbell's daughter, Haygood Cox, flies out of the car and tromps into the field barefoot. Now I won't say there aren't any snakes, but it's not likely. Campbell follows her into the waist-high grass.
4: It's a golden, a little bit green and golden and standing in water and it's the prettiest crop I've had in a long time. It's 65 acres of Carolina gold.
3: A delicate net of roots pops underfoot as I catch up. By the time I reach them, they're tenderly running their hands through the grass and bringing the bent heads up to their noses. What does it smell like to you? To me, well, home, (laughs) it smells, God, it's kind of this like very
5: wholesome, deep, popcorny smell that I really love. It, it's it's buttery, and I've just been trained to pick it out. I could, you know, I, I'm sensitive to it, and I love it. And I took I took some bags of it to put in my uh, pillow at boarding school, <laughs> so I could smell it there too. Um, yeah, there's there's something special about it.
3: The rice is a way for the family to make a living, but it's also a lot more than that. It's one way Campbell figured out to stay on the land he loves deeply. He grew up here on property his great grandfather, a timberman, started acquiring in the 1920s. His longest time away was for school.
4: I could not graduate fast enough because I wanted to get back to my swamp.
3: <laughs> he didn't attend his college graduation, he had his diploma mailed. But once home, he had to figure out a life for himself.
4: And I had to justify my existence here, so I became a farmer.
3: He tried his hand at the standard stuff for this region, cotton, timber, but prices really fluctuated, and he wanted to find something that would bring in a steady income.
4: I had a cousin down the Sotilla River that was growing rice, hobby kind of growing rice, and instilled in me the idea that this can be done in South Carolina as well.
3: Rice has a long history in the state. The mythology goes that a white rice was first introduced to the Low Country in 1685, when a boat captain, moored off South Carolina's coast by a storm, gifted some seed to a local. By 1700, the colony was exporting nearly 400,000 pounds of rice. Soon, the grain became South Carolina's most important commodity. The big commercial farms were concentrated near the coast. Historian David Shield says a new rice variety, which came to be called Carolina Gold, arrived in South Carolina in the revolutionary era, in the late 1700s. No one knows for sure where it came from, but within a decade, every significant rice planter in the Lowcountry was growing the stuff. Campbell Cox again.
4: It was like the Cadillac of all the rices in the world.
3: The rice was very labor-intensive, and it owed its ready success to the knowledge, sweat, and blood of the enslaved people who worked it, most of them from West Africa, where rice was also a staple crop. The Civil War eliminated free labor. A few large hurricanes destroyed infrastructure. Rice growing evolved and moved to Arkansas, to Texas, and the Mississippi Delta. By the early 1900s, the once ubiquitous Carolina gold disappeared from the state.
4: It's just got a a real mysterious past, and there's all these different little halls you can go down talking about it. It's kind of like a a fable, a fable-type food.
3: Nearly a century later, few enthusiasts, including Richard Schultz, an ophthalmologist turned hobby farmer, and Glenn Roberts of Anson Mills, dug up some Carolina gold seed in U.S. Department of Agriculture seed vaults and worked with scientists to breed it. They started planting small plots to see if they could bring back the fabled grain and formed the Carolina Gold Rice Foundation to distribute seed to farmers who wanted it. Campbell Cox was growing other rice varieties by that point. He sowed about 10 acres of Carolina gold in the late 1990s.
4: It's really a different type of grain. It's very low yielding for one. Is susceptible to every disease known to man. It grows extremely tall and falls down.
3: In other words, as time passed, other grains were bred to improve yield and simplify cultivation. But Carolina Gold stayed firmly rooted in the past. It's just like it had been in the 17 and 1800s. It's not exactly easy to grow, but it makes up for that with taste and history.
4: But we, we do like the history behind it. You know, it's just a, a real neat history.
3: Campbell sold that history to chefs who were themselves rediscovering southern heirloom ingredients and to curious eaters who wanted their grain imbued with flavor and narrative. The rice, once again, took off. Haygood grew up in her father's rice fields. Ever since I've been
5: here, we've been eating rice and we've been building on this this kind of wave of local and family-oriented
3: farm. She also went away to school. At 26, a cosmopolitan, art school-trained, scientific illustrator, Haygood still lives away in Savannah. But just like her father, she plans to return to the farm. Sitting in the family home sunroom, overlooking a pond fringed with leggy pines, she explains why. Anytime something goes wrong,
5: or I'm nervous, or I'm anxious, or I feel like I can't do something, I think about being right here, where we're sitting right now. You know, you can hear all these bugs, you can hear the wind through the trees, you can... It's just something about, I feel safe here, and I don't ever want to lose that.
3: The question is, just like it was for Campbell, what will she do here?
4: I'm already making a living doing the rice, you know?
3: Hagen has come up with an answer. She wants to make Carolina Gold Sake. Sake is a Japanese rice wine made by fermenting the grain, But instead of using Japanese rice varieties, she wants to use her family-grown Carolina Gold. To explain how this even occurred to her, she rushes up the stairs to her childhood bedroom.
5: This is so funny because my horse steps on top of it, but I gotta show you this.
3: Horses and manga are my my life, so I'll show you. Put this over here. She moves a saddle from the closet and starts pulling out boxes full of Japanese comics called manga.
5: The amount is truly startling okay here's one box
3: dozens of books spill out she says she read a lot growing up i
5: loved art and i loved to draw so they really drew me in because the beautiful artwork and a lot of the comic books had to do with social experiences too and i didn't have a lot of other kids so i kind of got into this
3: world of you know the characters became friends of mine almost she started getting into other facets of japanese culture after she tried sake it became one of her favorite drinks she sought out unpasteurized and unfiltered varieties that you wouldn't necessarily find in a sushi restaurant in the South. So funny, because I would never have
5: met another Japanese person here, ever.
3: Still, even after she'd learned to love sake, she didn't think of it as having any connection to her father's rice. She'd heard there was precedent for rice wine in the US. Enslaved people who worked the rice in the past had made a drink from it. But the historic record is scarce. Then, a friend of her dad sent over a bottle of booze he'd made with rice for them to sample. Hagid said it was like bathtub wine. Very simple.
5: Although it wasn't amazing, we, you know, were like, hmm, it can be done though. I wonder what it would be like if somebody did it right. I wonder what it would be like if it was the Carolina Gold. So she decided to find out. When we come back,
1: Irina Zhoroff will show us how Haygood Cox is applying Japanese technique to a South Carolina crop. Oh, and by the way, John T, we have it on pretty good authority that Haygood's grandmother thinks she might be a
5: bootlegger. I sit down next to my grandmother, whom I love, and she talks just like this, and she said, Haygood, I hope you're painting. I hope you're still painting. Tell me about your paintings. I was like, well, Miramar, you know, I just, I just painted the label for the sake. She goes, oh, don't talk about that. Don't talk about that to me. That's just not appropriate. It's not something ladies do, bootlegging alcohol. (laughs) And I
0: was like, wait a minute now. But first, named for the original Lodge Cast Iron Foundry, Blacklock capitalizes on Lodges' heritage and longstanding reputation of innovation and quality. Blacklock Cookware models the thin, lightweight design of historic cast iron and celebrates the latest Lodge advancement, a triple season finish. This process gets you natural nonstick finish right out of the box, and those three layers of seasoning enhance the great flavor Lodge cast iron is known for. Each piece heats up and cools down fast for everyday cooking. Cleanup is even easier. As Lodge introduces Blacklock cast iron cookware, the beloved South Pittsburgh, Tennessee company leverages its past to look toward the future, toward what we can cook together. You may find Blacklock cookware online at blacklockfoundry.com. For Lodge Cast Iron's support of the Southern Foodways Alliance and all of our work, including this podcast, we thank them.
3: Campbell grows a handful of rice varieties, but Haygood knew from the start she wanted to make sake with a Carolina Gold. I knew from what Dad had done, Carolina Gold is the word, the zing word. Haygood figured the rice had built-in marketing appeal. The same people who ordered Hoppin' John made with Carolina Gold at white tablecloth restaurants in cities like Charleston and Savannah— would clamor to drink her sake.
5: I guess that's 50% of it. The other 50% is much more scientific. Carolina Gold is a shorter grain. Uh, It is a starchier grain, and it has more of what we call a shimpaku, which in Japanese terms is the starch center or
3: heart. She made the first batches in her kitchen. Sake is brewed like beer. It's a multi-step, pretty precise process.
5: My kitchen looked like a laboratory.
3: First, you have to mill down the rice grains. The rice is soaked, then steamed. Some of it is used to make koji, which is basically rice with a specific kind of mold growing on it. Then you make a yeast starter. Finally, the starter, koji, rice, and water are all combined and allowed to ferment. I tasted it every day, like before it was even ready. I tasted it when it was still like no alcohol yet. I tasted it like twice a day probably, just because I was so excited. When she finally pressed and sampled the final product, it past muster. Let me see really quick if I have, I might have a bottle. Hey good. again rushes off, this time to the basement, and re-emerges a couple of minutes later with an indigo glass bottle. Let's see what we got. It's from the last batch she made about six months ago, and she's worried it's turned. It not oxidized, that's good. <laughs> Here, it's good. It's good? It's good. It tastes sweet and light, a slight sharp note at the start, then dissolving into a floral aftertaste. That's just me in a cooler and some very clean buckets. (laughs) Try to make it sound as good as I can. After brewing several batches, she decided she needed to learn more, to professionalize. Last winter, Haig traveled to Japan for the first time. She spent a month apprenticing at a brewery called Chiyomusubi on the southwest coast of Japan. She says the cultural connections she felt reading manga Rang true in the ground, too. Japan and the South have a lot in common, she thought.
5: They have a really deep connection with nature. They have a really big respect for their family and honor.
3: There are many rules around courtesy.
5: There's just a lot of intricacies uh, of culture and of age and respect for elders and things like that, that that we have here, too.
3: And, she learned, there's also a sake rice variety called goriki that was almost lost and brought back. In the spring of 2019, the Chiyomasubi Brewers came to South Carolina to see this rice their new friend insists on using to make sake.
5: They were a little confused at first in Japan, like, because they don't know about Carolina Gold. And so they couldn't understand why I wouldn't just, like, make it easy for myself and just make sake with sake rice, you know, because it's already there and there's not as much work. But after I explained to them, it's like, no, it's because for my family's, like, traditional, you know, we're trying to build upon something we're already doing and we
3: want to start something new. They understood that. Now, they're working together to figure out a recipe. Haygood sent over 1,000 pounds of Carolina gold to Japan. The rice is more brittle than Japanese varieties and breaks during milling, which the Chiyamasubi brewers say is a problem. But they're trying it anyway. This fall and winter, they split the rice Haygood sent into three batches and tried three different recipes. While it brews, Haygood waits. Are you nervous at all to try the stuff that they're oh making? God. Horrifically nervous. Absolutely, like
5: soul crushingly nervous, just because I've put so much into it, and I've had so many people tell me that's silly. Why would you try to use Carolina gold? Why don't you just use Yumananishki? Why are you trying to like change a good thing that's already good? Japan's already mastered it in this way, and you know, I feel like people could have said that about a million things. Fashion changes, food changes. I think that that integrating stuff and mixing it up can be really beneficial. It doesn't have to be perfect classic sake
3: for me to be happy. I just want it to be something people enjoy drinking. The novelty, even if Carolina Gold Rice, will wear off, she understands. A good story can only take you so far. So the sake needs to hold its own, she says. Campbell is cheerleading for his daughter and crossing his fingers, too. He says he'd be disappointed if no one came forward to continue the family's work on the farm.
4: Well, I've worked hard. For, you know. We've, I've been farming for 38 years now. And um, yeah, I'm very, very happy that Haygood's doing this.
3: Campbell and Hagood's admiration for each other is palpable. At one point, Meredith Cox, Haygood's mother and Campbell's wife, actually makes fun of their mutual reverence by mimicking it with pretend prostrations. But they're different in a lot of ways, too. For example, Campbell's favorite drink?
4: Um, um, Anheuser-Busch because it's brewed with rice. Bud Light and Bud are the only two beers that are brewed with rice.
3: Also, Campbell is happy to stay on the farm pretty much always. Haygood loves the farm, but she also likes to get out, socialize, see the world. She's hoping Carolina Goldsake will let her do both.
5: Just want to find the right way to do it. I want to have a family and get married and have kids. And so finding a balance between that and this is is going to be interesting. But, you know, my dad did it and I I know it's possible to do.
3: In the rice field, before we get back in the car, she inhales the rice's aroma one more time. I love them. Love them, love them. I feel like
5: I'm in a big old footprint of my dad's, (laughs) kind of, you know? I feel. I feel excited about the future and, and what, what I could be looking forward to.
3: She's heading back to Savannah that night, but maybe not for long.
1: Irina Zhoroff reported and produced this episode. We thank Glenn Roberts, David Shields, Anna McClung, and Adrian Miller for their expertise.
2: You didn't hear their voices, but they helped us better understand the history and import of Carolina Gold.
1: We also thank Wendell Patrick for Gravy's theme music, Jazar for our donor music, and Charlie Kyre for his audio engineering.
2: Managing editor for Gravy and all other SFA media, including Gravy the Journal, and our book series and just about everything that's written or spoken that comes out of an SFA mouth. Yep. Sarah Camp Milam. Mary Beth Lasseter serves as our publisher. She does good stuff, too.
1: I'm Melissa Hall. And I'm John
2: T. Edge. Thanks for letting us pour some rice sake in your
1: ear. And if you enjoyed that and would like some more gravy in your ear, make a donation to SFA. Your dollars help us make more gravy.
2: SouthernFoodways.org. Push the button. Donate. Thank you. Bye.